You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. Lots to talk to Elliot Tepper about Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University, Russia, preparing to begin military drills uh, with China. Also, obviously, the energy crisis and what it means moving forward. And tourism. Should Russian tourism be allowed in Europe? Should officials be going back and forth? Elliot Tepper with us now. Elliot, thank you for the time. I hope you're well. Oh, thank you, Scott. Same to you. What about the tourist situation? We know that a lot of Russians go to Europe throughout the summer, part of the tourist season and such. Is that all still in full swing, or has is there been blowback from that? Well, there's already been some cutback on, from the Baltic states in particular prior to this, but the announcement by Estonia that they really want the EU as a whole to just stop all tourists, uh, that would be a major step up. I don't think... Hungary would go along, but uh, the the key thing here is that the purpose of that is not to punish the Russian tourists, it's to have them wake up, as the leader of Estonia said. They have to wake up and realize what this unprovoked aggression against Ukraine has done. Do you think we're going to see that? I mean, and, and what, what will Russian citizens do, the average citizenry who just wants to take a vacation somewhere and all of a sudden can't go? How will that? Well, they were going, to, a number of them, to Crimea, <laughs> uh, which, of course, is yeah. Russian-occupied Ukrainian uh, beaches, among other things. Uh, and that uh, the recent explosions in Crimea may have put a crimp in that. And, of course, there's always Turkey. The fact that Russia is being treated as a pariah, will be treated at home by Mr. Putin. It's just further evidence as to why they, Russia has to be returned as a, as a great power to the world. He'll try to turn this to his advantage. But it's really the slow motion impact of all the various sanctions, including this one, which will be affecting people who can travel and want to travel. But the slow moving nature of the impact, how long will it take? for the Russian economy and for the Russian society to actually feel the effect of the uh, all the blowback, the, primarily the sanctions, compared to our own ability to hold out against the rising price of uh, oil at the pump and gas at the pump, and what about Europe? How long can they hold out against the cutting off of, of gas supplies? And can they find enough gas supplies elsewhere or energy supplies elsewhere to backfill prior to the coming of winter. So it's that kind of a race going on now between basically who can suffer the most, the quickest, or the longest. Are we learning anything from what Europe, specifically Germany, is going through in regard to the weaponization of energy? A lot of people predicted this way back when. We remember when Germany, like cutting edge R&D for renewables, uh, now shutting down nuclear and and depending on... On, on Russia, I, I, how did we? How did they get here? I mean, you know, it, it seems as if uh, this played right into Putin's hands. Yes, the the answer to your question is Germany learned its lesson, or have there been changes? I think one of the the big takeaways from the invasion so far is that Mr. Putin is the father of a new Europe. Uh, Germany was gambling much earlier, and with some justification that. Uh, complex interdependence, as us political scientists like to call it, would would bring post-Soviet Russia into Europe. Uh, it would so entangle Russia into Europe that obviously they would no longer be aggressive or hostile. That has been proven to be a bad bet, and now everyone's scrambling. But the enlargement of NATO, 
the transformation virtually overnight of the decision of Europe to at least try to get off these energy supplies to get out from under. Uh, this, is a, this is a major accomplishment uh, by Mr. Putin so far. And now, going back to where you opened up, uh, Russian tourists can't travel, they can't go to Eurovision, et cetera, et cetera. So Mr. Putin is the father of a new Europe. The joining of Sweden and Finland into NATO, which seems imminent now, uh, really is a huge transformation of the security environment for Mr. Putin. So uh, he has gambled uh, that um, he can win. Europe gambled that they could uh, tame Russia or engage Russia. Russia was what, you know, there was talk Scott, of Russia joining NATO back in those days but those days are over it sort of sounds like you know you say tame russia it's like taming china everybody thought the same thing with hong kong yes um well china's a china's an interesting case here the uh, you opened up by commenting that there's these joint military drills mm -hmm. there's a lot to be said about those one of them is that the sheer scale of it if china and russia Remember, they met on February 14th. You and I talked about it, I think, mm -hmm. at the time prior, just as the Olympics were about to end, and Mr. Putin actually traveled, unusually enough, he traveled uh, out of Russia, he traveled to China, and they signed a long declaration saying that from now on, well, two things, <laughs> a lot of things, but one is they're both opposed to color revolutions, these uprisings that <laughs> are people's power that can chase dictators from office. They don't like that. But they also said they were going to have a strategic partnership without boundaries, without limits. There were going to be no forbidden areas of cooperation. And then after that, the invasion went ahead into Ukraine. These joint military exercises are notable for their scale. Uh, I'm just quoting from that newspaper article that you're drawing on. More than 50,000 troops from a number of countries, 5,000 weapon units, 140 aircraft, 60 warships, this is a very large-scale drill, and it also involves China and Russia working together, but also India is there, along with uh, a, a number of other countries, uh, an interesting collection of countries, actually. So the, Russia is saying, basically, okay, you thought you could close us off, you think you can isolate us, these visa, this visa, no tourism, and so forth. We are showing you that we have a way uh, to be out from under those sanctions, we will operate. We will, uh, we will continue to be a world power that everybody has to pay attention to. And that's in part what these drills are, are all about. Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor, Political Science, Carleton University, Changing World Order. <laughs> uh, Elliot, as always, thanks for the time. Be well. Oh, you're very welcome, Scott, and same to you. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.